Welcome to Blooming Out, Indiana's only LGBTQ news and public affairs show featuring music, events, and interviews, both local and global. From the WFHB studios in Bloomington, Indiana, this is Blooming Out. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Blooming Out on WFHB. I'm Jeff Poling. And I'm Colin Schasperger. On tonight's show, we have our featured music, LGBTQ news headlines, and the LGBTQ area event calendar. But first, we welcome the animator of the video series, Came Out, Kicked Out, John Serpentelli. John founded Animation Studio in 1997 as a school for children as young as seven years old to learn animation. In the six-year history of the school, thousands of children learned the basics of animation. Animation Studio, the production company, collaborated with professionals for films commissioned by UNICEF, Nickelodeon, HBO Family, Noggin, and Sesame Street. He started making documentary animation in 1992 to help give a voice to underserved populations. John has worked with kids with Asperger's syndrome, blind kids, and kids with special needs. John, welcome to Blooming Out, and thanks for joining us this evening. Oh, thank you for having me. Glad you're on the show, John. Um, The one thing that I noticed, and of course our uh, listeners would not notice this, is your animation studio, and I don't think this is a typo, although we occasionally do make typos in our scripts, but it's spelled S-T-E-W-D-I-O. Correct. Yes. Could you, is there a little story about that? (laughs) Yeah, the idea was that uh, to use mixed media animation, not just the traditional cartoon animation, but more of a fine art animation, and sort of mix it all together like a stew. Oh, awesome. Okay. Makes sense now. Yeah. So, and, and you've, you, I mean, like we said, you've, you've been, uh, you've had films commissioned by a, Everyone from UNICEF, Nickelodeon, HBO Family, Sesame Street. Um, You have really been covering a lot of territory. And I think a lot of people, if if they take time and watch your work, they'll be like, oh, my gosh, I've seen, you know, this guy's work before. I mean, how how did it all get started? Well, it. I actually got started in 1992. I was uh, I had graduated college, and I was working at a movie theater, this like foreign film fine arts movie theater, uh, making popcorn, and then at the end of the night sweeping up the popcorn. <laughs> and I thought this is not exactly the career in film I was hoping. For. <laughs> yeah. Right. And I thought um, if there's and a friend of mine wanted to move to San Francisco, and I thought at that point it was the height of the AIDS epidemic, mm-hmm. and I thought it was a little um, risky for me to move there, and knowing my behavior at the time, and I thought if there's anything I could do, what would it be? And which I think is a great question for anyone to ask themselves. And I thought I'd love to make animation films with children. So I, back in the old days, I went to the phone book before the internet, and I looked up an art organization that worked with children, and they said, I can't believe you just called. 
we have a grant to make an animation film with children, but our animator just quit. <laughs> wow. So I thought, if that isn't fate calling, what is? Right. So, of course, I had in mind rosy-cheeked, chubby little children, but instead it turned out to be uh, girls who had committed weapons offenses uh, for a special high school in North Philly, which is a very dangerous neighborhood. And so I thought, well, this isn't exactly the children I had in mind. <laughs> See what happens. And what happened was I met a group of girls that, to be honest, I never would have spoken to had I seen them on the bus or the subway. Mm-hmm. And these girls, I was supposed to have a security guard with me at all times. That didn't happen. But because I treated the girls with respect and, and as people, I had no problem whatsoever. And these girls told their story, a story which I was completely unfamiliar with. It was it was uh, a, a world un, unbeknownst to me mm-hmm. where, you know, pregnancies at 15 and, and, you know, holding up cars at 14 and and these girls told their story, and the film, ultimately called Some Girls in the Hood, was so well-received, because at the time, in 1993, when it came out, no one was really listening to this population of these young black girls who uh, were, you know, certainly underserved and, and being ignored by society. And it ended up in a museum in New York City, and Amnesty International covered the film. And it really sparked my interest in finding my voice as an animator to give a voice to people that don't normally get heard. And I think the animation helped because they weren't judged by their appearance. Mm -hmm. They They were able to tell their story truthfully and sure. you know, it just clicked. And, and so, so you're for for the for the most part, you use the real person's voice. Is it is that pretty accurate for for oh. all, all the work or most of the work? Absolutely. Um, the girls told their story. They wrote the script, um, but they didn't even write it. They just told it. It was just straight from the heart, mm-hmm. and it was so profound and so real, uh, and, and it, it was a story that hadn't been heard before, and I think that's why it resonated so strongly. So is it is it you, then, that once you hear the story, then the animation comes to you, or is that kind of a collaborative effort with you working with the person that has the voice? Yeah, it's very much a, a collaborative effort because I feel I'm more of a conduit. I'm more of someone just presenting the story, someone else's story, to the world. And so I want to be as truthful and, and accurate as possible, not sugarcoat it, uh, not censor it, and just let it be heard. Because uh, there's so much validity in such a voice. Um, that you don't hear in Hollywood or on television very often. 
Yeah, absolutely. I I love what you said earlier. Um, you kind of you know said that everybody needs to ask themselves that that question that if you could do anything, you know what would you do? And you said animating with children. And so my question is, where did when did you decide, or you know why did you want to do animation? And then where where why did you want to do that with children? Well, I always knew as an artist, and but that's such a broad field. And it wasn't until I went to the University of Penn that I saw uh, what they call fine art animation. And I realized that all the different art forms can be represented in animation, like painting and drawing and clay and everything. And children have that um, ability to just express themselves without hesitation or self-doubt. And I found that very appealing. So I thought, well, the combination of the two could really be such an exciting medium to let children animate what it is that's going through their minds. And I think it's also useful for adults to remember that, you know, when they get caught up in their everyday lives and mortgage payments and such, that they can remember, you know, the dreams and the fantasy and also the stark reality of what the world is from an innocent point of view. So, so you've worked with, um, what, nearly oh, uh, uh, 100 short animated films. It, is it, um, do you generally go, you know, after the the subject, so, so to speak, the, the, the person, or, I mean, is it just, it varies, and then word of mouth, you know, got around, and then the networks got a hold of you, and... Right, I I had that uh, Hollywood um, fantasy come true. I was a middle school teacher, which is a horrific job, uh, teaching in public schools and middle school. And um, I had made a film with children, and I was forced to make an anti-smoking film. And, which, you know, I hate forcing children into such a small box. Mm -hmm. But, um, but that's what the administrative wanted. So we made the film. I based it on Romero Bearden, who was a collage artist from the Harlem Renaissance. And so at least it looked interesting. It was, um, and what had happened is I sent it to a New York short film festival and uh, like in the Hollywood films a producer was in the audience and in this case it was a producer from Sesame Street and she saw the film and it was very uh, this is pre-computer so it was very unique at the time Uh, and she called me and offered me a commission from Sesame Street and that was equivalent what they were paying me to half a year salary as a middle school teacher. So I quickly <laughs> quit middle school and started my studio for kids. Sure. Um, and I think it was because it had the sincerity of allowing children to express themselves that made it uh, have a pulse that you don't often see for PSAs directed at children. That that almost seems like kind of a, a a more recent angle or or perspective where where the camera or whatever is 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 zooming in right at the kid or the person right. and, and and having them you know and then they tell their story 
it yeah. it doesn't it doesn't seem like it's that common though but it does seem like it's 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 growing it's it's you know it it's it's being appreciated and understood more maybe. yeah 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 and this was back it got in 1995 so it was quite a while ago um but i don't think it takes a genius to realize that sincerity makes sense <laughs> uh and sincerity resonates and has a greater impact on people. Um, the project I did with HBO Family was to travel around the country interviewing uh, middle school kids. And all I did was, I, 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 I truly believe in any classroom, there are two or three, at the very least, great stories to be told. So there was no agenda, there were no guidelines. HBO paid us meaning me and my brother, to travel around and meet these kids. And I simply talked to them and asked them to write a one- to two-minute true story about their lives. And inevitably we found these amazing stories that we turned into animated films and had the child themselves do the narration. So it was as authentic and real as possible. And it, to me, it just seemed to make sense. <laughs> sure. It seemed obvious like that would produce a great narrative. Right. Now, now you were recently um, the focus on a, a feature-length documentary um, animating autism. Right. Right. Oh. Um, could you tell us a little bit more about that? that that topic the fact that you've that you you know dug into that um in animation form and um it is is really interesting to me sure um uh friends of mine are uh documentary filmmakers and they approached me to be the subject of this film animating autism because they knew that i had taught animation I've, i've been teaching animation to kids for 25 years now and they know I have taught uh, special needs kids and blind kids, and um, they were connected to this autism organization that worked with children, and they wanted to make a documentary about me teaching these autistic children animation. And uh, I thought, sure, let's do it. And so I met the kids, and they were in... uh, a variety of ranges from uh, their abilities, and but they uh, typically autistic autistic children have a difficult time communicating with others. And this group came together to create a unified film on their uh, subject matter was a video game, which is not too surprising for kids. Mm-hmm. And the idea was uh, a kid falls into a video game and gets lost in the video game. And it was even, I think, more important than the film itself was the experience. And the experience showed, and these kids bonded so beautifully. And at one point, it was one of the kids' birthday, and they had a birthday party for the kids, and they really related to one another. And it was just a beautiful experience to witness. And, you know, it, and I think The Atlantic magazine picked it up as a story at one point. 
Um, but I really think just being there with the kids, seeing them work together and communicating with one another was really, really special for me. I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. And we're going to get right back uh, to our conversation, John. But first, we need to go ahead and go to our first music break of the evening. Sure. Right. Swedish band Little Dragon has released the music video for new single, Strobe Light, for which they enlisted the talents of director-photographer Kristen Lee Muhlman and stylist Ib Kamara. The video follows a pair of South African dancers dressed in colorful gowns and also features wild shots of cars doing donuts in parking lots. We wanted to make a film that celebrates two dancers from Johannesburg, as well as the feeling of being young and creating your own universe within your environment and being able to express yourself in any shape or form. Off Little Dragon's fifth studio album, Season High, here is Strobe Light. Don't reach too far 
uh, you are back on Blooming Out here uh, on in, at WFHB. You just heard um, Strobe Light by Little Dragon, and we're here in the studio with John Serpentelli. John, are you still here with us? Oh, yes. All right, and we wanted to ask you about uh, your project that we thought was really interesting. It's called Came Out, Kicked Out. Right. Uh, could you tell us a little bit uh, about the project? Yes. Uh, originally, uh, it was called um, From Homeless to Hopeful, and it was a project about homeless people who sell a newspaper in Philadelphia called One Step Away, which uh, enables homeless people to earn a living uh, and to get off the streets and find housing. And so I started that project. Initially, I interviewed three people, but I didn't raise enough money to do all three stories. So I focused on Cadence, who is a transgender uh, youth. I think she's about, or he's about 23. And I thought that was the most interesting story. It was the most dynamic. Uh, it was a story that hadn't been told uh, too often. And she, when she was a girl, as a little child, thought she was a lesbian uh, and lived in an abusive household where a stepfather treated her horribly because he had his own children. And then at about age 12, realized he was transgender, and he decided to... um, at the age of 18, find a partner through the Internet and moved to Philadelphia. And he uh, met another transgender male, and they were homeless for quite a while on the streets. And um, ultimately, through selling the papers, and he uh, discovered his talent as a comic drawer and did these comics for the newspaper. And I thought, wow, what a fascinating story that, you know, what a journey. And I especially love the idea that the art was his salvation and and really boosted his self-esteem. And so that was the story I made. And I changed the title from Came Out to Kicked Out because it was more relevant to the issue of being uh, transgender and not understood and being, you know, forced to leave home. Right. So so incredibly timely. Um, oh. There are so many of those stories, and it's it's they they just need to be told. We just need to hear about them more and more because the familiarity is going to help acceptance. I you know that's the way I've always looked at it. Right. And for me, it was an education. Um, because I was unfamiliar, you know, personally with someone so young um, who had uh, decided they were transgender. Um, I had a student at the University of the Arts where I teach uh, who was going through the transition even at the age of 18 mm-hmm. and met uh, this person's father uh, who was so grateful that I was so accepting. Uh, I'm, I'm a gay male, so, you know, it was like within my ballpark. Mm-hmm. And um, that this child felt 
comfortable with me to talk about his transition and the issues, all the issues that go with it, not only psychological but physical. And, you know, so it was really uh, an eye-opening experience to a world that I think is still largely misunderstood. Right, right. Without a doubt. The, um, uh, the, the, the subject matter then, so, so that's, that's something that's, that's near and in, in dear to your, your heart, so to, you know, if you, if you want to say that, right? Um, talking about people's stories. Oh, sure, yes. And, and especially, like you said, the, the story of, of uh, persons that are, are struggling with the, the issues of being transgender um it in, in animation i can't imagine that uh that there have been that many of those <laughs> yet no no there aren't um uh although funny one of my college students uh after seeing my film did a story on a transgender friend of his and so it's very encouraging to see that uh, if I can play a role in pushing the conversation forward, uh, because years ago, I mean, I'm 52, so years ago just being gay was a big issue, and I came out in the early 80s, um, you know, before the mass acceptance. Mm-hmm. And uh, fortunately, my parents were very accepting, but that's not often the case. And I've heard so so many horror stories. Uh, but transgender is just one step further mm-hmm. for, I think, a lot of people, and especially parents, to comprehend. And I think the, and the more they hear other people's stories, and that's the key, that it's a true story, mm. uh, unfiltered, and it's raw. Right. It's also very hopeful in the, in the case of a film I made, Cadence finds voice, her, her, his own voice in these comics, and it's a direct result of being suppressed as a child. And I think that is so encouraging um, for other people who see the film. Sure. There's also, it it occurs to me that because it is the topic in this particular case, you know, came out, kicked out, was, is the topic of being transgender. Well, that being that it's animation and you are creating that person, how they want to be represented or how they want to appear, that, I would think that would kind of have to be a little appealing to a person who is transgender, Right, you're actually giving them, you know, yeah. a, a a presentation, a a you know, something, a, a way that they want to appear to the world. Right, uh, you know, um, I I feel my role is to give them a forum, and um, by presenting them either in rotoscope where we're we're drawing over their image, mm. we're characterizing them in more of a traditional animation sense, but giving them the control of how they are represented. Sure. Um, and, and it's their voice um, allows them to go into another realm 
as opposed to just sitting in front of a camera and possibly feeling self-conscious about their appearance or how they're coming across or their voice or any of that. Um, but in animation, it not only gives us the opportunity to reflect on earlier events where there isn't footage, but to also get into their internal emotional state and represent it through animation. Sure. Um, John, we're going to take a quick second uh, for our top of the hour, and we'll be right back with you. Okay. This is listener-supported WFHB, broadcasting in Bloomington, Bedford, Ellettsville, and Nashville. Community radio for South Central Indiana and online at wfhb.org. Right now, the weather is currently 84 degrees Fahrenheit in Bloomington. Overnight, we have a 30% chance of rain. The high for tomorrow is 74 degrees. It looks like there's going to be sunny skies this weekend until Sunday when there's a 60% chance of rain. Now back to Blooming Out here on WFHB. And you're listening to uh, Blooming Out on WFHB. We're going to take our, our second music break of the evening and then continue um, and return our conversation with John Serpentelli. Um, for the music break, the uh, music is... Dagny and Dagny returned this year after her 2016 debut with a fresh new direction. Her summer single, Wear Nothing, favored a more understated approach than her previous work with help from Swedish duo Ludwig and Alex. The track is perfectly polished, featuring effortless, breezy production that builds into a simple, ultra cool chorus. I've always had a very band-type sound, but with wearing nothing, I felt like trying something new with the chorus going down instead of going up, she says. I always get inspired by the people I work with, so I always try to make a song the best it can be rather than making it too much about what is my sound. I don't ever want to sound the same and get bored with it. With Wearing Nothing, it's actually quite minimal, especially the chorus, and that was such a new thing for me. It complemented the lyrics and song because it's about being there, being open and not putting anything in between. With Wearing Nothing, here is Dagny.
by Dagny. Support for WFHB and Blooming Out comes from The Back Door, downtown Bloomington's queerest bar, dance club, and venue. From live bands and DJs to drag shows and karaoke, there's something for everyone every day of the week. The Back Door is located at 207 South College in the alley behind Atlas Bar. More information is on Facebook or online at bckdoor.com. Blooming Out is also supported by the Cory Land Men's Chorus, Bloomington's premier chorus for gay, bi, and trans men, and their allies. More information can be found at coryland.org. Now back to Blooming Out here on WFHB. Okay, and we are back, uh, Blooming Out, WFHB. We are having a great conversation with John Serpentelli, um, John, you um, have quite a quite a background in um, the arts and education. You have your MAT, the University of Arts, BFA. Um, you are a teacher. Um, you've 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 done a lot, and and so so I guess you've always had uh, you've always um, you know obviously liked being around uh, young people, being in a in a educational environment. Right. And and did you during during that time did you start hearing some of the the kids' stories and and think that more people should should hear you know what's what's happening? Uh, yeah, I, I've I've always been um, out um, in the university setting. Um, not so much with when I teach children, but mm-hmm. at the university setting, I've always been out um, and been very honest with the kids um, with their issues, whether it's uh, mental illness or addiction, and um, allowing them to feel comfortable telling me, you know, what it is that's going through their their heads at the time, because many times at that college level, they're just coming to grips with many of these issues. And, you know, I feel that, um, you know, anyone's story is worthy to be told. So, you know, I wanted to always present it that way to them. The, um, the, uh, the I, I understand some of these are not just um, just just messages. Um, you, you've turned this into fundraising efforts, right. and and really you're 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 really doing a lot in in that area. Could you talk a little bit about you know how that's working out? 
Well, the latest fundraiser, I've done one for um, last year. I did one, um, Do Unto Others, which was for kids, and it was a basic principle, treating people like people. And uh, we did a film with uh, a group of children uh, on the issue of Do Unto Others and animated it in such a way where it was aliens from another planet <laughs> being treated uh, respectfully You know, by the end of the film. Currently, I'm raising money for the second part of uh, Came Out, Kicked Out, which would be the story of Hazel, who I've met, and uh, she is 20 years old, a transgender woman who has become a political activist, which I think is amazing at such a young age. Right. And she is just an incredible person, and that's on Indiegogo Generosity, and so hopefully we can get that story told and shown to the world because uh, she is just a force to be reckoned with and a great storyteller and a great talker. Um, so she has a lot to offer the world. So I'm hoping we get to get that film made. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, John, if somebody wants to check out your work, what's what's some of the ways to do it? I know you have a website. and Right. Uh, my, well, my website is serpentelli.com. And you can see some of the work I did for HBO Family and Nickelodeon and um, Sesame Street. Uh, And the fundraiser is for, uh, came out, kicked out, is Indiegogo, Generosity, and then just type in uh, kicked out, came out, or rather came out, kicked out. And uh, you can see the work, the first film of Cadence is on that uh, fundraising site. Oh, good. Okay. Um, and you, now you work with your brother, Mike, is that yeah. right? So, so it's, it's also, you, you guys have, um, you know, you're known as the, the Serpentelli brothers. Right. Okay. And now Mike does, does he do more like editing and sound and things like exactly. that? Or Exactly. He does, uh, the sound editing, uh, visual editing, occasionally voiceover work, and uh, we work together well. We were raised as Irish twins, uh, and for those of you who don't know, um, <laughs> Irish twins are two, two people who aren't actually twins. Uh, we're 15 months apart. Oh, okay. I didn't know that, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's an expression, Irish twins. Um, and um, our mother actually raised us as twins, which is a little bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> but moms will be moms. <laughs> right. Oh. We were dressed as twins, even though we didn't look alike. I, I saw that picture on your website. That's, that's great. <laughs> In the sailor suits. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so, um, But, yeah, hopefully... Um, the fundraiser hasn't been doing really well uh, so far. It got an initial push, and it was written up in the Philadelphia Gay News, um, but then it sort of stalled. So I'm hoping uh, that it gets rejuvenated and more people are driven to it, um, because uh, I would just love to, 
to see uh, Hazel's story be told because she's such a character. Sure. So, so that is that's one of the next the, ne- the next projects. Are there there other things right now that are on your plate that you're really excited about? Well, I'm hoping that um, came out kicked out becomes a series. Oh wow, that'd be great. And I've approached Logo about it. Excellent. And but yes, yeah, it's, it's currently like I said on Indiegogo Generosity, which is a special section of Indiegogo. And um, if Logo is excited, I mean, I think it would be an amazing show. Even if the animation is part of like a bigger reality show of transgender people, uh-huh. I think it would be so educational and entertaining. You know. Oh sure. You know, because uh, there's so many interesting people whose voices have not been heard. And, you know, I think it would just be a lot of fun. I, I think it sounds awesome. And um, I can't recommend enough for people to, to check out your work. Again, um, going to your website, right, serpentelli.com? Correct. Okay. Um I know you can find all kinds of things on YouTube. I've I, I enjoyed looking up some of your the, the work that you did um, when you were in, um, you know, at the university. Right. Uh, you know, the Chemical Heritage Foundation. Oh, and, right. And and some things like that. I mean, that's that's really great work, and I can't recommend enough for for people to to check it out. And thanks for for spending time with us and talking to us tonight. Oh, absolutely, my pleasure. Yeah. Well, we hope to talk to you again, and and best of luck, John. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And it is now time for your weekly LGBTQ plus news headlines. And this first article comes from Salon. On Wednesday, national delegates from the NAACP voted to issue a travel advisory in Missouri uh, out of concern that civil rights would not be respected in the states. According to the Springfield News Leader, women, people of color, LGBT people, and those with disabilities have been told to travel with extreme caution because they may not be safe. Our ongoing issues of racial profiling, discrimination, harassment, and excess violence towards people of color have been further exasperated by the passage and signing of Senate Bill 43, Cheryl Clay, Springfield's NAACP president, told the news leader in a statement. Clay was referencing the bill signed by Governor Eric Greitens, which modifies the Missouri Human Rights Act to make it more difficult to prove discrimination in housing and the workplace in courts of law, the news leader reported. Clay said that the legislation rolls back civil rights protections for employees and whistleblowers. From KSL.com, when Imagine Dragons frontman Dan Reynolds began receiving letters from fans appreciating a song featured on the TV show Glee, Reynolds was de- felt devastated. A scene from the show featured a male character singing to his boyfriend, and many of those writing Reynolds told him because of his religious upbringing, they assumed he didn't accept them for who they were. That coupled with losing friends to suicide and working with the Trevor Project, a national suicide prevention organization for LGBTQ youth, helped him develop a vision, he said, he has now floated around for years, an avenue to show that people with 
differ, differing viewpoints still share unconditional love. Now that vision is coming to life. Reynolds, along with a group of Utah community leaders and agencies, announced the lineup for the first Love Loud Festival at Brent Brown Ballpark on August 26, which they hope can help the people of Orthodox religions care for and love those in the LGBTQ community. Imagine Dragons will headline the event with Utah-based Neon Trees and Joshua James, as well as musical artists Cruella and Walk the Moon singer Nicholas uh, Patricia, in addition to other artists who will play throughout the night. However, it's more than just music. It'll also feature speakers between the musical acts to discuss the importance of interacting with love. It's really meant to be an event that's family-friendly, that is safe for everyone on all sides of the spectrum, Reynolds told KSL.com. It's really supposed to bring everyone together in one place and to talk about a way to create a safer community. All proceeds to, will go to local charities, such as In Circle and Stand for Kind, as well as national charities, The Trevor Project and GLAAD. I think the Utah community is going to embrace Love Loud, that it's not an attack on anyone. It's not an attack on people of faith. It's not an attack on any religion. It's not an attack on the left or the right. It's just about people coming together and showing love and support for LGBT youth, he said. Uh, and our next article is from Marketplace. Back in 2010, Donald Zarda, a trained skydiving instructor, was getting ready to make a tandem jump. And as he and a female client prepared, Zarda shared with her that he was gay so as to avoid any potential awkwardness while she was strapped to his chest for the duration of the jump. The disclosure backfired. The woman's husband complained, and Zarda's employer, Altitude Express, fired him. Zarda sued, claiming that the company had violated Title VII of the 1964 Civil Rights Act. Zarda passed away in 2014 in a base-jumping accident, but the federal lawsuit remained. Last week, the Department of Justice filed a brief siding with Altitude Express. The Civil Rights Act does not protect employees from discrimination based on sexual orientation, the Department of Justice argued in the brief. There's currently no nationwide law protecting LGBT employees from workplace discrimination. The Justice Department brief comes six months into Trump's presidency, uh, which some expected would expand protections for the LGBT community. Unlike other Republican presidential candidates, Trump openly courted the LGBT vote while out on the campaign trail, holding a rainbow pride flag at a campaign rally stating that the matter of same-sex marriage was settled and promising that he will fight for the LGBT community. And the LGBT community is not an insignificant pool of voters. In 2016, about 10.1 million Americans, adults, identified as LGBT, according to the Pew Research Center. After Trump's November victory, there was hope among LGBT conservatives that he would push to expand protections for the community, especially in the workplace. And we're going to cut that one a little bit short here and go to our third music break of the evening. Uh, our final music break this evening at... Uh, Trans femme rapper Machete shows off his glam punk pipes in a newly released cover of Dead or Alive's 1985 hit You Spin Me Round. Machete, known for his electro rap mixtape, said he wanted to wanted to cover uh, to showcase his diversity as an artist. Uh, the end goal, um, 
The end goal for me is and always has been to reach pop stardom, he said. I want to be a pop star who raps and sings and does both well, while pulling influences from all the genres and artists and eras that inspire me. The Shamir collaborator also revealed that fans can expect more pop tracks for his forthcoming mixtape, Cool Tricks 3. I have a very clear vision of what the track list is and what each song will sound like, and I've been writing uh, little things and making little beats here and there, Machete said. I think it will definitely be more pop-leaning than my previous work, and probably a bit more diverse in sound. With his unique cover of You Spin Me Round Like a Record, here is Machete. Private number, baby 
and you just listened to Machete, You Spin Me Round Like a Record, here on Blooming Out on WFHB. To finish out tonight's show, it's time for your weekly LGBTQ plus area event calendar. HIV testing will continue to be provided by Positive Link throughout the summer on the first and third Thursday of each month at the LGBTQ Culture Center. This free, confidential 20-minute testing can be scheduled by contacting the LGBTQ Plus Culture Center. An IU staff member has formed a meetup group open to Bloomington area LGBTQ Plus adults of all ages. If you're interested in, in and would like to join like-minded folks for fun social activities, learn more by visiting www.meetup.com Bloomington LGBTQ social meetup. Tonight, the back door will host the Vicki Lane Celebration of Life Benefit. As the beloved show director of the late local bar Uncle Elizabeth's, Vicki Lane nurtured so many entertainers like Argenta Peron, Pat Yoweave, Mocha Debute, Courtney Anderson, Marissa Nicole, and so many more by building a strong community of support and love. She was a fighter in so many aspects of her life, including her fight with cancer. She stands as an advocate for Positive Link and Change for Change amongst many other organizations. Let us remember the strong woman she was and will always be. Uh, and let's not mourn in the loss of a dear friend, but rejoice instead the gladiator that is Vicki Lane. All funds raised will go to the Damien Center. Starting at 8 p.m., the celebration will feature performances by Mocha Debute, Envy Debute, Bendova Plenty, Justin Teague, Coley D, and more to be announced. Today is the annual day of Giving for Campus Pride. Help them reach their goal of 500 donors by the end of the day. You can find more information about how to donate on both our Facebook page and campuspride.networkforgood.com. On Saturday, August the 12th from 7 to 10 p.m., the Ground Floor and PRISM are joining forces to make this year's Know Your Glow party better than ever. Youth aged uh, 12 to 20 are invited to join us for this free night, complete with food, a dance party, various activities, and lots of fun. Hope to see you there. The Know Your Glow Party will be held at the Monroe County Public Library. The foundation and future of pride is resistance. That was as true on June 28, 1969, as it is today. There are a lot of ways to resist, but few things beat the art of speaking truth to power. On August 25th at 7 p.m., we're kicking off Bloomington's annual celebration of LGBTQ plus community and culture with the inaugural Pride Slam competition, the queerest poetry slam in town. This event will take place at Rhino's Youth Club. Pride Slam is free and open to the public. If possible, attendees are encouraged to donate $5 to benefit Rhino's Youth Center. These funds will support their free after-school arts programming for teenagers, many um, of whom identify as members of LGBTQIA plus communities and are allies in downtown Bloomington, Monday through Friday from 3 to 6 p.m. year-round. Have questions? Email alex at alex at bloomingtonpride.org. Want to compete? Apply at bloomingtonpride.org slash prideslam. Bloomington Pride Fest will be a day-long celebration on Kirkwood Avenue on Saturday, August the 26th. Note the new name as this was the previous Bloomington Pride Summerfest. More information can be found on Facebook. RuPaul Drag Race's Sasha is coming for you, Bloomington. 
on Friday, September 1st from 9 p.m. to 1 a.m., Sasha will be at the back door. More information can be found on Facebook. The Interpride World Conference is coming to Indianapolis this October. The annual general meeting and world conference acts as a source of education and a stepping stone to elevating community interaction for Pride events worldwide, as well as a great networking opportunity and platform for commun uh, communication among Pride organizations. Indianapolis will welcome a diverse audience from all over the world uh, um, on October the 5th through the 8th, 2017. To learn more about the event or to purchase tickets, visit www.indypride.org slash interpride. For more information about Interpride, please visit www.interpride.org. Dr. Jay Puckett, a researcher at the University of South Dakota, is conducting a research study on transgender individuals' experiences of stigma. If you're transgender and ages 16 and up, visit the Blooming Out Facebook page or our Twitter handle for more information on the study. If you would like to add your event to our event calendar, email us at bloomingout at wfhb.org. That is all of the time that we have for you this evening. We would like to thank you for tuning in tonight. If you are interested in volunteering here at WFHB or for our show, contact volunteer at wfhb.org. You can also call us at 812-323-1200, tweet us at bloomingoutwfhb, visit our Blooming Out Facebook page, or find us on Instagram. The executive producer of Blooming Out is Wes Martin. The producer is Ryan Shaddy. The associate producer and music director is Grace Thumser. The news director is Olivia Davidson. Our board engineer is Jesse Grubb. And the assistant board engineer and social media coordinator is Josephine Douglas. Finally, our theme music is an original composition produced for Blooming Out by Aaron Gage. For Blooming Out and Jeff Poling, I'm Colin Schasperger. Please tune in again next Thursday at 5.30 p.m. and visit us online at bloomingout.com. Blooming Out, Indiana's only LGBTQ plus radio program, airs every Thursday evening here on WFHB at 5.30 p.m. You can also stream us 24 hours a day, 7 days a week on WFHB.org or BloomingOut.com. Thank you for listening. Please tune in again next week to Blooming Out. <laughs>